previously on Salmon's Run. Step away from the trash can. It was an accident. I saw, but you gotta stay with me. <laughs> don't, don't do it, kid. You stay right there. I'll shoot you. I mean it. Oh, don't do, don't you? Ah, fuck. My name is Nick Masidi, and I've got a story to tell you. It's called... Salmon's Run. Salmon's Run is made possible by a generous contribution from the Glowcorp Corporation. Glowcorp. Let it happen. Sally, you're going to want to see this? Sally Bumbo stands over a series of monitors lining the interior of these rooms. With one hand, she grasps a mug of coffee. And with the other, she taps the tip of her American spirit medium into a paper cup. Her mouth is a straight line, her eyes a squint. She looks around, charts the gear, all the tech that money can buy. She nods to herself as something resembling satisfaction. Here, in the Jersey City field office, her toys are definitely a step up from what they had over at Seven World Trade. But she never had the chance to put it to use before. Too bad then about her co-workers. Anxious clouds of agents flitting from superior to superior. Some of them advanced beyond their capabilities, others advanced far beyond their capabilities. 
Plumbo, I said, I think you're going to want to see... Don't you think you should be feeding it through the monitors, Todd? Todd stands still for three seconds and squints three times, the way he always does, under pressure. Is this how he chooses to react, or just some uncontrollable tick? Sally has always wondered. Yeah, of course, just give me a second. In five seconds, the monitors begin to loop different angles of the same scene, with two stationary security cameras offering the bird's eye and the shaky flourishes of a cell phone journalist providing man-on-the-street coverage. This is what they have to work with right now. This is their panoramic. And this is what they see. An unkempt man, bearded and knapsacked, Muslim capped and tawny, prostrates himself in front of a garbage can, genuflects towards its contents, stands up, throws something into the garbage can, watches the resulting explosion, intones some repetitive, repetitive and unintelligible phrase, keeps steady as a policeman draws near, throws his hands up at the drawing of a gun, waits until the policeman is distracted by his radio and then runs. Runs as fast as possible. Runs uptown and out of the frame. gives a sidelong glance towards Bumbo, his eyes holding a question. As if to answer that question, Sally picks up the phone, dials a number. She waits. She'll keep on waiting. She knows the only chance to contextualize this footage from the ground waits on the other end of that phone. Finally, the line clicks on. Mike? Yeah. Not good. Her agent in the field sounds like he's pressing finger to temple to prevent my cream. Tell me I don't have to brief you on this. I got the general picture of Bumbo, but... Maybe you could rack it into focus for me. Sally looks around her monitors and speaks in quick, clipped tones. We've got some video here. It's grade six. Looks like the suspect is heading uptown. My neck of the woods. Okay. You speak to the Muhammads yet? What are they saying? Mike sighs on the line. She can hear him choosing his words. They're acting like they knew it was coming. They're a little surprised at the timing. Vet it for me, will you? On it. 
hangs up the phone and begins to type. Her fingers gliding over the keys in front of her. Eventually, Todd opens his mouth. Okay, Bumbo, what do you need? What, what is it we should be doing here, you think? Sally looks up to the left, thinks a moment, then begins counting orders on her fingertips. We need lines to all cameras citywide. We've got to construct a path for this guy. We're going to let the cat out of the bag, zip with the APB out there. Hopefully he can't have gone too far because we already shut down the bees and the teams, correct? Todd doesn't reply. Correct? Todd? Jesus, not or something. Todd blinks three times. Sally takes a split second to ponder the efficacy of legacy hires. Who cares that the grandfather ran most of day out of town if his grandson has milk for blood? She looks up. All right, so he can't have got off the island. We've got Mike on the field playing the Mohammeds, and I assume the NYPD is setting up the kind of impromptu bullshit anti-terrorism task force they do so well, right? Um. After scrambling for a moment to find the right piece of paper in the folder in front of him, Todd speaks. Um. There are no pieces of paper in the folder in front of him. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. There's only one piece of paper in the folder in front of him. Um, there are no pieces of paper in the folder in front of him. There's only one piece of paper in the folder in front of him. Um, there are no pieces of paper in the folder in front of him. Um, guys. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the work coming out of the department. Yeah, okay. Okay. I need you rounding up the liaisons and the all availables for cross-channeling. I want clearance for south to north jet sweeps, and I want backstory, 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 you got it? Todd nods. One last thing. Todd nods. I want to speak to this guy, ASAP. Sally clicks a button on her console, and the video zooms in, not on the perpetrator, but on the officer facing him. She clicks again, and again it zooms. Now she taps a chipped fingernail on the monitor just above her head, her index squared away on top of Daniel Trujillo's face. Doesn't he look like someone, Todd? Someone internal. As the tape continues to loop, Sally scrutinizes the gesture of the police officer, the tilt of his head, the way he draws his gun, and the face. The face ties it together. Shit. Does that look like Trujillo to you? Sally clicks her tongue. She's certain. Todd tilts his head. He's not. Who? Benny Trujillo. I know he's not before your time. Todd shrugs. I never knew the man. I I wouldn't be able to tell. Todd, you were there when they found the body. He was already in the bag when I got there. I wouldn't really be able to... 
Sally mutters to herself, then turns back to Todd. I want an in with this guy, like, now, okay? Okay, I'll do my best. Listen, Sally... Todd decides to chance a statement as he walks away. When we find this guy, and you catch up with him, you're gonna, you know, turn him, right? The smarmy little bastard. He might as well make the fucking hand gestures. She looks down at her coffee mug. She'd like to hurl it towards his nose, but unfortunately she needs the coffee. She kind of needs Todd. So she gives him a squint, and his complexion turns the color of no color at all. And he leaves to set on some other task. Okay, people, it's all in play now. Let's make it a touchdown here, not a fumble. Hi, I'm Nick Nassidi, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, the Glowcorp Corporation. With over 3,000 offices worldwide, Glowcorp is uniquely situated to serve you in any capacity you can think of, and several that you can't. Take it from me, Nick Nassidi. I'm not just a spokesman. <laughs> no, I'm a loyal customer. Using Glowcorp around the studio and home office to accomplish a variety of day-to-day -day tasks Man, it sure comes in handy. I used to be a drug addict and a sexual deviant. Now I use Glowcorp, and from the safety of my own home. Glowcorp, it's not just local, it's glocal. Okay, back to the show. Daniel Trujillo will go down in history as the first responder to the events of the Fulton Center explosion. An impressive addition to an already distinguished NYPD rap sheet. Of course, he didn't handle it alone. A slew of firemen Cops, marshals, construction workers, and pedestrians had all gathered together, and as they had done before, they all suspended their disbelief, plunging themselves into the effort. And once again, some of them did not make it back, though more made it back this time than ever before. The NYPD lost nobody and the fire brigade only lost a handful. A tragedy, sure, 
but not a catastrophe. The civilian casualty count was minimal, though that wouldn't really be much of a comfort at all to the wife of the guy who owned the deli. A couple of hours later, when Daniel Trujillo finally arrived at the precinct he called home, he got a standing ovation from all of his peers. Between the clapping and the whistling, one could hear phrases like... With eyes too tired for nine in the morning, called Daniel into his office and told him to sit down, asked him a few questions, got a few answers in return, and slowly pushed out a form and a pen and watched silently as the sergeant prepared a preliminary report. After Trujillo slid the paper back, the captain clasped his hands, briefing Trujillo on a new assignment. A detail, he said. He was to proceed to a bar called Connolly's and make a thorough inquiry as to the relative volume of their booze. An assumption. There was too much of it. Trujillo tried to raise objections to the assignment, namely that he wasn't thirsty at present, that he would like to go back out on the street and apprehend the man responsible for all this, that he had a feeling for where... The investigation was heading, and he wanted, in no uncertain terms, to be a part of it before the feds came in and butt-fucked everything from the top down. Killing a boy laid a friendly hand on the sergeant's shoulder. Daniel, do yourself a favor. Go get a drink. You earned it. But- No, take the- take the fucking day off. Captain's orders. So Daniel listened to his captain and mosey on down to the bar procured himself a drink. And now, here sits Sergeant Daniel Trujillo, celebrated first responder, following orders, cratering his ass into an uneven bar stool and drinking from a warm vat of Bud Light. As the jukebox blasts the pogues, Trujillo looks around at his friends. Man! I am sick of this Irish shit. What is it with cops and this fucking Irish shit? I don't, I don't give a fuck about the illustrious history. There's gotta be more spicks and mix by now. I'm sorry. His buddy Rivera nods, swills his brew. I hear that. I think killing a boy in flats over there might just be the last ones. Homicide detective John O'Flaherty walks into the bar, nodding toward the first response gang. Yo, flats, was you there? I didn't see you there. No, day off. Thought you lazy humps might want a round of the good stuff. Department still pushing that blight on you? Rivera holds up his glass and looks at the world through the amber tint. Like they got a deal on it. Flats gestures to the bartender. Lucy, 
Ask the guys what they want. Attack it on the mine, would you? The cops raise their glasses. Thank you, Flats. Thanks, Flats. Oh, Flaherty lights up a cigarette and winces. Also, something else. And Danny, you might want to take note. Trujillo looks up as O'Flaherty walks to the jukebox and reaches behind it. The music dies, and Rivera raises a glass again. Christ Jesus, thank you. Don't drink to me yet, boys. Flats strolls up to the hanging television set and jabs the power button on with his index. After the TV ripples into effect, he makes a channel adjustment plops himself down on a bar stool in front of New York One's latest news anchor, a woman named Nair Blanchard, who looks half Pakistani or Kuwaiti or something else vaguely incriminating at a time like this. She shuffles a stack of paper on her desk and gives the cameras a look that, for a newscaster, carries more weight and personality than your average gaze. I repeat. Explosion um, at Fulton Center. Well, it appears to be the work of Muslim extremists. At least that's what they're telling us. Muslim extremists.
That was you? Daniel bunches around the mouth, looks down, narrows his eyes, addresses his lap. No, it was the other Daniel Trujillo. The one who looks exactly like me, but isn't me. You let that mope go? Daniel looks up at the television set, hands gripping the glass so hard he looks like he's gonna break it. No, they got this shit all wrong. <sighs> that kid wasn't a terrorist. And he wasn't of no Middle Eastern descent, whatever the fuck that is. He was just some tanned-ass white kid throwing his cigarette into the wrong trash can. He drains his beer in one long gulp. I told Command they should put me back in, the dumbass motherfuckers. Now Trujillo slams his glass on the bar top and slides off his stool. Yo, Nino, where you going? What the fuck do you think? The young man breaks his run, baffled that he has made it all the way up here. Him, the progenitor of today's calamity. Him, with plain stiff knees, and the king of all knapsacks bouncing the crap out of his shoulders. After looking around the intersection, he bends over the sidewalk and he wretches. Running for hours requires fuel. Salmon has burnt up all of his stores. He needs more. Needs it enough to risk being recognized. His survival cannot be assured without it. His parents' house lies just around the corner. But he can't drag them into this mess. Not if there's any chance he'll be discovered. That wouldn't be fair to them. The young man makes up his mind. For the time being, he has to act alone. As he did in Europe. He must secure his meals by himself, just as he has secured his survival by himself. He looks around. Down the block there is a hole in the wall, a nook of a restaurant nestled in between bigger businesses and it's called La Café Internationale. After making sure the coast is clear, Salmon walks in. The cafe has maintained the same ambience for deck deck decades, which is to say, no ambience whatsoever. Salmon has a history with the place, you see. This was always the cheapest restaurant situated within the opulent surroundings of the Trinity School, and Salmon Wierzynski 
Trinity's poorest student at the time, or rather, its poorest white student, often took his last two dollars here for some arroz con platanos. Now, ten years later, the tablecloths are still laminated, the waitresses are still busty, the television still hums in the corner. The same three Dominican guys from years ago sit at their front table playing dominoes, their mesh baseball caps still sitting high above their ears. He waits in the doorway until a woman gestures for him to take any seat he likes. The table furthest inside looks appealing. When he sits down, she comes over with a menu. Salmon waves it away. Agua. Agua, por favor. Uh, ima fungo y arroz con platinos. Uh, sure. Anything else? Um, just, uh, agua. She walks off and comes back with a small plastic cup and a pitcher filled to the brink with cloudy water. <laughs> gracias. Mucho, mucho gracias. You're welcome. She walks away and Salmon eases a little into his seat, putting back glass after glass of lukewarm stuff. <clears throat> now, feeling somewhat satiated, he allows his attention to wander towards the television set. While no organization as of yet has claimed responsibility for the terrorist attack at Fulton Street today, the video we're getting is, well, a tough pill to swallow. Watch now as the best news team on television confirms your deepest fears. Salmon catches a reflection of himself in the television set and then realizes it isn't a reflection. As you can see, the perpetrator is a man of Middle Eastern descent wearing the traditional Muslim headdress. Here you can see him on his knees, praying to the garbage can before he lights it on fire. The water within Salmon's cheeks has now been spat upon the table. And here we see the garbage can colliding with the crane, and that's... That's the terrorist yelling something, maybe a call to jihad, but then again, I'm no lip reader. No, you are not! After addressing the television, Salmon looks around the restaurant, and yes, everyone is staring right back. The waitress, the dishwasher, the domino players, they're all giving him a squint. So Salmon Warzynski picks up his backpack, throws a crumpled fistful of ones on the table, walks out of the Café Internationale. After a moment, the dishwasher turns to the waitress. Policia? She sucks some air in through her teeth. Ah, que se joda la policía. If Salmon had heard these words, he might have stayed to enjoy his mafungo and rice and plantains. But by the time the waitress announces her attitude towards law enforcement, Salmon has scampered two blocks uptown, taking off his hat and tossing it into the garbage can as he rounds a street corner. He keeps running, then he looks over his shoulder to make sure the trash can hasn't exploded. You've been listening to Salmon's Run, written by me, Nick Masitti. Most of everything you heard was played, produced, engineered, performed, etc. by me, Nick Masitti, with generous help from Amanda Dequila, Rich Morales, James Crawford III, Julia Moreno, 
Jessica Kimple, who, in addition to rocking out a resuscitate, is my wife. How about that? But we couldn't have done any of this without the generous support of the Glowcorp Corporation. Glowcorp. It's everywhere we want to be.